We don't have a belt for you tonight, but it was certainly a championship performance, and I'd imagine this one feels pretty damn good, Colby. Congratulations, man. John Anik, let me start off by saying you've been doing a tremendous job lately. You've been working so hard tonight, so let me take this off your hands for a minute. Ladies and gentlemen, the silent majority is ready to make some noise. If you thought that was a beating, wait till November 3rd when Donald Trump gets his hands on Sleepy Joe. That's going to be a landslide. Hey, and Colby. I want to dedicate this fight to all the first responders, all the military out there. You know, this world would not be safe without you guys. You know, you keep us safe. And, uh, you know, not these woke athletes, man. I'm sick of these woke athletes and these spineless cowards like LeBron James. And speaking of spineless cowards, Marty Fake Newsman, Street Judas, we got unfinished business. There's nowhere to run and there's nowhere to hide. I'm coming for you. You're next! Hey guys, welcome to episode 9 of I Know Nothing About MMA. I'm your host DC, and not that DC, not the great one. Yes, we do that every single episode. But today, quite a big episode, number 9. UFC Fight Night, Covington versus Woodley. A really hyped fight. We're going to be talking about everything to do with this card, and I mean everything. Yes, I'm lying, I'm actually lying. We're, we're going to be glancing over the prelims. My bad. My bad. But everything really about this fight card, including some of the controversies surrounding two referees, Dan Mergliotta and Chris Tognoni, again. But there were some really big things that happened on this show. Really, really cool show. And just some housekeeping before we get into it. If you're on Apple Podcasts, make sure you give this podcast five stars really helps out. Alright, let's get on to the show. Okay guys, let's talk about Tyron Woodley versus Colby Covington. This was a huge main event in the UFC. This was a huge main event for a fight night card. This was probably the most hyped fight night card I can remember for a very long time. Maybe of all time. It had that kind of pay-per-view feel to it absolutely did it and yes it also delivered this was an awesome card but let's talk about the Colby Covington versus Tyron Woodley fight Tyron Woodley in this fight was so again apathetic and I was hoodwinking myself and yes I've watched it 2020 vision is hindsight but I was hoodwinking myself into believing that Tyron Woodley is going to have a great performance, that this guy is excited to fight, that he wants to fight, and Colby Covington is the perfect opponent for him, you know, for him to let his hands go and really fight this guy. And, you know, and I thought Colby Covington leaving American Top Team, going to MMA Masters, how was that going to affect him? You know, there were some uncertainties and some unknowns for Colby Covington coming into this fight, a lot more than for Tyron Woodley. But Tyron Woodley is showing that he's done. I mean, he's lost 15 rounds in a row now. This was an incredibly boring performance by Tyron Woodley. And I just don't see how Tyron Woodley can be so apathetic when he fights. You're done. And Colby Covington actually in the post-fight press conference was actually quite nice to... Tyron Woodley called him a champion, said if he wants to retire, he can retire. I'm not going to make that, you know, decision for him. Yeah, I mean, that's quite classy from 
Colby Covington, despite all the vitriol and despite all the, the animosity that was coming into this fight. And he did make it known that, yeah, we're not friends after this fight. Yeah, so by the way, I did forget Tyron Woodley um, was finished in the fifth round. He injured himself. It looked like he hurt his rib. It looked like he broke his rib or something like that. And the fight was subsequently stopped. But if this went to the judges' scorecards, this went to a decision for Colby Covington. This would have been 15 rounds in a row that Tyron Woodley has lost. 15 rounds in a row. That's a terrible, terrible, terrible run for Tyron Woodley. Uh, Tyron Woodley, rather. That's just remarkable. Yes, the fight just happened like half an hour ago, maybe, or something like that. So I haven't really digested it all, but yeah, I mean, it was just another classic Colby Covington fight, wasn't it? Just another classic performance by Colby Covington outworked Tyron Woodley. And before the fight, he was calling Tyron Woodley a tin man. A tin man saying this guy has no heart. This guy's a tin man. He has no heart whatsoever. And he proved it today. He absolutely proved it. Tyron Woodley is a tin man. I thought this was the perfect fight for Tyron Woodley. There was so much animosity, so much vitriol, so much rage coming into this fight. He came into this fight wearing Black Lives Matter shirts, wearing hats that said, make racist catch a fade again. A play on Make America Great Again. You know, the hats that Colby Covington wears. And he fought like an absolute coward despite this. Despite this energy he was bringing into the fight. It's just crazy to me. It's just so crazy that he could have fought like this in this way. I mean, I'm, I'm, sh- I'm shocked. Truly, I am truly, truly shocked. Yeah, there was not much to talk about in this fight. The fourth round was a 10-8 round. All three judges gave it a 10-8 round. That's the round where Colby Cummington really started to work Tyron Woodley over, cut him with a beautiful elbow, made him spit blood out, essentially. Yeah, it was just insane. Just an insane, insane round for Colby Cummington. He really put the hurt on Tyron Woodley, but I just can't believe how Tyron Woodley fought. I'm just so disappointed in Tyron Woodley because I really thought, thought rather, coming into this fight, that he would have fought really well and he would have fought like a champion, like the champion he was. But that is long gone. He doesn't want to fight anymore. And I said this in previous episodes when I was talking about this fight. And back then, I was a lot more... On the side that, yeah, Colby's going to dominate him. Which he did. But as the fight got closer, I hoodwinked myself. And I told myself, well, you know what, actually? Tyron Woodley might actually fight really well. And he might. this might be the perfect opponent for Tyron Woodley. Because in his last two performances against Gilbert Burns and Kamara Usman, he didn't exactly look like he wanted to be in there. He looked kind of bored. And in this fight, again, he looked bored. And the only thing I can say is that this guy, like Colby Covington said, is a tin man. That he doesn't have the heart to compete with someone like Colby Covington. And look, we may hate Colby Covington for what he stands for. He is a massive Donald Trump fan. He is. Uh, he did call Black Lives Matter uh, Black Lives Matter, rather, a terrorist group, which is so ridiculous. And he also called Tyron Woodley a communist. And in the post-fight press conference, uh, a reporter asked him how he got to that conclusion. And he just answered it really stupidly. But this guy has a lot of heart. And this guy has a lot of grit. And he is a wonderful fighter. An absolutely brilliant fighter. Understood. Um, what makes him a communist? I don't understand... How you arrived at that conclusion that he's a communist? 
Because everything that he stands for, man, he's just he stands for everything that is against America. He doesn't like America. He doesn't stand up for the rights of America. He doesn't stand up for law enforcement officers. He wants to defund the police. These are the same police that give him private security and him and his family, you know, daily. So, you know, now you want to vilify them and put targets on their back like LeBron James. You know, these guys are heroes, man. These guys are real celebrities. So, you know, we need to give a shout to law enforcement and stop trying to vilify them. So enough about this fight. That was the fight. The fight was an easy victory for Colby Covington. Easy. Easy. Easy peasy. Lemon squeezy. That's how easy it was. It was just... It's like taking a candy from a baby or giving candy. I don't know what the expression is, but you get what I mean. It was that easy for him. My dad is a huge Colby uh, Covington hater, and he came into this fight really wanting Tyron Woodley to put a to put on a performance, and I told him, Dad, I think this is going to be a good fight. And Dad left that room saying, this guy is a fucking tin man. This guy's got no heart. And he doesn't. But what I want to talk about as well is the media's obligation when talking about Colby Covington, when discussing Colby Covington, because they love to really pile it on this guy and really make it be known that they fucking hate this guy. They despise this guy. And really, they're really just making him a hotter commodity by doing so. Because that's what he wants. He really wants the media and people to really hate him. Like my father. My, my dad said after this fight, I can't wait till someone knocks him the fuck out. That tells me that he wants to see this guy fight until he gets knocked out. You know, the Floyd Mayweather money of, you know, the Floyd Mayweather rather way of making money that you want to watch this guy lose. So you pay to see him, you know. And if the media hate this guy so much, then ignore him. Ignore him. Don't even ask him questions. Ask him questions about the fight and don't even ask him or humor him about his political convictions. Don't um, don't really give him anything to bite on. You know, if you guys really felt feel like that, then that's what you have to do. Like, if you hate this guy so much, and yes, it is your job to cover this guy, but if you have your own personal responsibility, then do not... Promote this guy. Do not write about this guy. If you truly do not like him. It's like in pro wrestling. They say if you really hate a guy. And not just like you hate him in the wrestling sense. Where you want to boo him. And he's a good bad guy. No if you really hate someone. And you don't want to watch him. Turn your back. Or don't even fucking make a noise when he fights. When he wrestles rather. Don't even make a noise. But yeah, that was quite a weird rant. But, I mean, I just see it all the time. I just see people going, oh, I hate this guy. Oh, this guy's the worst. Well, don't cover him then. If that's how you really feel and you really don't want this guy to get a spotlight, do not cover him. But I really feel for a lot of people, they love covering Colby Chaos Covington. So what is next for Colby Covington? What's next for Colby Covington, in my eyes, should be a fight against Jorge Gamebred Masvidal. Yes, I have been calling for the Leon Edwards fight. I have been, but let's be honest, guys. Yes, it would be fun. It would be awesome. It would be lovely. It would be all these things to see Leon Edwards fight Jorge Masvidal. I do believe he beats Jorge Masvidal in that fight. But what makes sense in this business? It is what makes dollars and cents. That's what makes sense in this business. Is what makes dollars and cents. It makes more sense for Colby Covington to fight Jorge Masvidal than it does for Leon Edwards to fight Jorge Masvidal because there is more money to be made and there's a bigger backstory. Yes, there is a three-piece and a soda, so there is a backstory for there. So that's another thing I want to say. When people say that the Leon Edwards fight doesn't make any sense, no, it makes a lot of sense. There's a ton of history there. But this fight makes a lot more sense because these guys were like best friends. Now they they hate each other. Colby Covington was kicked out of his gym, essentially. The gym that Jorge Masvidal still trains out of. You know, it's a hot, hot fight. It's a fight that the fans want to see. And listen, if this fight doesn't happen, you can blame one man and one man only. Not Colby, Chaos Covington. Not Colby. You cannot blame Colby if this fight doesn't happen. 
he thinks this fight should definitely happen. So that's what I think is next for Colby Covington, a fight with Jorge Masvidal. Would I like him to rematch Kamara Usman? Yes, but not right now. Not right now. I think there's more money to be made in the Jorge Masvidal fight. I think it would be a fun fight. The fans would love that fight, and that's why that fight probably will happen. But now, now let's listen to the first time I've ever heard this on a a UFC card. Donald Trump having a phone conversation with Colby Covington on the ESPN post show. Let's give that a listen. We're going to try and get Donald on speakerphone. Let's see. Okay, thank you. Yeah, this is Colby Covington. Thank you so much. You might want to just give him a warning. He is on speakerphone, though. (laughs) This is a first. Thank you so much. so much Mr. President you gave me the dragon energy when you shook my hand on Sunday at your rally and it doesn't matter if King Kong was in front of me I was not going to lose after getting to shake your hand uh, and beat you your rally. Lose. <laughs> well, he's a strong looking guy too he's a tough guy he's a great fighter he was a champ and you, that was easy work relatively easy work for you that's a great I'm proud of you man thank you so I'm much proud of you. I just made a big speech at 35,000 people I said I want I got to get home now to watch Kobe <laughs> to watch Kobe that was that was fast work. And well, great. He's a tough, and he's a good fighter, right? Yeah. Did he give you much of a problem? What did you see? Strong guy, right? Yeah, strong guy, former champion, but it didn't matter who was in there, Mr. President. After getting to see you, I don't care if there was a God, Superman beautiful. in there. I was beating anybody. That's great, Colby. I'm proud of you, man. Thank I'm you. I'm a big fan, and I'm proud of you. You're tough. You're tough. You have the right spirit. So now go win the next one, and just keep it for a long time, right? Just keep that championship for a long time. But you are... You are something, and say hello to all the guys. I appreciated the shout out tonight too. I'm, I'm your fan. You're my fan. You know, two of a, two of a kind. Two of a kind. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mr. Right. President. I'm gonna bring you the new belt to the Oval Office soon after you win November third by a landslide. Okay, in the co-main event slot of this fight night card, we had Donald Cowboy Cerrone versus Nico Price. This fight was a draw, a fair decision. And a lot of people thought that coming into this fight, that Cowboy Cerrone would get rolled, that he would get steamrolled by Nico Price, that he would get destroyed. And if you were watching the first few minutes of that fight, you would have been absolutely correct. Cowboy Cerrone is a notorious late starter, and he proved it once again. He was getting smashed in that first few minutes. That first round was all Nico Price. However, Nico Price eye-poked Donald Cerrone once with his thumb, by the way, in the eye and lost the point. Therefore, the round was judged a 9-9 round. No winner in that round. That round was a draw. Should have been a Nico Price round. However, Nico Price was penalized and rightly penalized. And I just want to mention right now that... Jason Herzog, the referee for this fight, is probably one of the best referees and the unsung heroes of this sport. I mean, the way he handled that, you get one warning, he gave Nico Price one warning, and then the second time, he penalized him. He's a very attentive referee. I really like this guy. I really do. I, and he does not come up in my discussions, at least, for the best referees in the sport. And I bet a lot of people as well, but he is a unsung hero. And, you know, a lot of people, a lot of referees like to be the star of the show. And this guy really just does his job, and he does his job really, really well. So, yes, two thumbs up for Jason Herzog. Oh, and by the way, I have to say right now, because I've recorded the... Chemaev part, and I did not give him the star of the week, so Chemaev is the star of the week, and yes, you'll hear a little later that we're going to be talking about him. But Cerrone said after this fight that he thought that he'd lost five fights in a row, that he thought that this was actually a loss for him, not a draw, and the next time he fights, he'll be fighting for his job. 
Dana White came out after this fight and said, we're going to be having a discussion with Donald Cerrone, probably about the future of his career. I think this is fair. I think that Donald Cerrone's assessment of this fight is fair as well, because without the um, eye poke um, being penalized, he would have lost that round and lost the fight on the judges' scorecards as well. He was kind of saved by that eye poke. And not saved, but it was great refereeing by Jason Herzog. And Cerrone didn't look as bad as he has in the last uh, few outings. In the last few outings, he's looked horrible. Absolutely torrid. But he's getting better and better and better. But he's not looking too bad these days. He's really not. He This was a good performance by Donald Cerrone. And a lot of people would have thought that Donald Cerrone, like I said, was going to get walked over. But this was a really close fight, in my opinion. Cerrone was always growing into the fight, and Nico Price was growing out of the fight. He wasn't really keeping up the pressure for as long as he could. That third round was a great round for Donald Cerrone. And one judge even gave him the win. Yeah, he was actually one on one judge's scorecard. And that was probably a wrong scorecard, but... I could see why he gave him the second round. He definitely did not win the first round, but I could see why a judge would give him the second round because he looked kind of good in that second round. And yeah, the old adage about Donald Cerrone needing about 10 punches to wake wake himself up is absolutely true because he proved it again. So this fight's a draw. And yes, I've got to say something, by the way, about Donald Cerrone. About that cowboy hat. Not that I've got to say something, but Kurt Angle's got something to say about that. Oh, and by the way, people, lose the freaking cowboy hats. You're not seven years old anymore. Please. He's talking to you. Lose the freaking cowboy hat. I heard him, Paul. Please. All right, and let's get on to the next fight. Cowboy, I wouldn't say you look upset, but you don't look as happy as, as Nico. What were your feelings when the upset result is, of the fight was read? Upset is definitely the right word. Is it? Yeah, it's five losses in a row for me. That's a yeah. uh, deal, man. Um, whatever you, I mean, called draw. He won the fight. Had they not taken a point, I'd be sitting here. You wouldn't even be talking to me. I'd be on my way to the RV to just pout, you know. But the dude went out there and did his thing. I, uh. Told everyone all week, you know, Cowboys showing up. I felt good. Training camp was awesome. And, man, the first round, I went out there and just took a beating. I was like, what are you doing? Like, you want to throw a punch? You want to throw a kick? And then he starts calf kicking me. And I'm like, hey, man, that's what I do. Yeah. Like, I'm a kicker. And then I don't even kick. It was... Uh... Okay, the next big story on this card was absolutely the arrival. Well, not even the arrival, but the cementing of a star. A new star is born, ladies and gentlemen. A new star is born. Hamzat Shemaev. Yes, I will never get that name wrong again. You've heard me say Chimiev, Chamov. It's Chemaev. Shemaev looked remarkable today. He only had to fight for 17 seconds. His opponent, Mirshat, said before the fight, I'm going to derail the hype train. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And listen, when he was in there with him, he looked worried. He looked scared. He was backing off, backing off, backing off. And it only took Chemaev, yeah, Chemaev, not Ch Chimiev, one punch to seal the deal. And he sealed the deal, guys. My word, a star was born. What can I say? This guy mauls people. And not only does he maul people, he knocks you out. He's got a one punch knockout power. Not many fighters in the UFC have power like that, and he does. And not only does he have power like that, but he can also maul you. He can Habib you, essentially. He can wrestle you and tire you out for ages, and he can also bang you out. He can spark you as well. I am so hot on this guy. You guys have got to believe it. I am so hot on this guy. All the pressure was on him going into fight week. All the pressure. And he put all the pressure on himself. He said he wanted his opponent to retire. Mieshat said, I'll give you the black belt. And he said, no, I want you to retire after I beat you. I'm going to smash you. And he did smash him. He was true to his word. And ladies and gentlemen, that is how you build a star. You seize the moment. And my word did he seize the moment. 
I mean, there's not much to talk about here. Uh, it was a 17-second fight, but my word, was it a banger of a fight. 17 seconds, ladies and gentlemen. Where does he go from here? I mean, hey, my fight, Damian Meyer. Dana White said he wants him to fight someone before the Damian Meyer fight. But that's also an interesting conversation. We also had the Kevin Holland fight on this card, and he's been fighting quite regularly as well. And yes, Chimaev is not taking a lot of damage. It's quite, um, it's quite, I think, irresponsible to make him fight so many times so quickly. Yes, he is not against the idea. He kind of loves the idea that he's fighting so often, so quickly, you know. But that's how fighters get killed. I know fighters get killed in the gym with their sparring sessions, and yes, that adds a lot. But what also adds a lot is frequent flyer miles in the cage you know and frequent flyer miles you know spaced in tightly like this guy fought twice in 10 days took no damage took no damage and he did not take a lick of damage this time but i hope this isn't the way forward for him i hope this is just to get his name out there and we can finish same with kevin holland and the kevin holland thing is a lot more interesting because Kevin Holland, he fights, he has tough fights. He doesn't have fights like Chimaev. He has fights where he gets hit, he gets hurt. He, they're, they're classics, they're barn burners. Well, I wouldn't call them classics. That's my bad. But they're really good fights, aren't they? The Kevin Holland fights. They're really fun scraps. But I don't think he should be fighting as often as he has been, especially after his last fight with Joaquin Buckley. Because that Joaquin Buckley fight was a another barn burner. Another fight where both lads really wanted it and they were really hurting each other and stinging each other. But enough about him. Now people will think about Chemaev. Well, people were saying before the fight that, God, Damian Meyer, that could be too soon for him. I was saying that too. I was saying, you know, that would be a huge test for him. Not anymore. Not anymore. I think he is comfortably the favorite in that fight. I can't see any way that Damian Meyer wins that fight. And that is him being the greatest male jiu-jitsu practitioner on the planet. And I make the uh, distinction of male because we're going to be talking about the best female practitioner in the world a little later. But Chemayev was saying in the post-fight interview that... No, the post-fight press conference, rather, not the interview... He was saying that if I beat Demi Meyer and I choke him out, which I want to do, you have to call me the best jiu-jitsu practitioner in the UFC, not Demi Meyer. I mean, I just love that. How good is this guy? You know what I mean? How good is this guy? Like, really? This guy is awesome. This guy is everything I wish Habib was sometimes. And yes, he also said after the fight as well, do not call me Habib 2.0. And I'll admit, Shemaev, I only called you Habib 2.0 because I didn't know what, how the fuck to say your name, okay? But now I do. Now I won't forget it. Shemaev. Yeah, but he was saying, do not call me Habib 2.0. And listen, I, I certainly will not be calling him Habib 2.0 anymore. Or evil Habib, because this guy is... A monster. This guy's a problem. This guy's a huge threat. And with that performance, yes, it was at middleweight, but with this performance, he's put every uh, welterweight on notice. I like him a lot more at welterweight than I do at middleweight. I know his last two fights have been contested at middleweight, but I really, really would love to see him fight again at welterweight because. I feel like at the upper echelon of middleweight, these guys are really big. These guys are huge, and they're tall, they're rangy, they, they're quite big challenges, really, for Chemaev. But I really think, in the welterweight division, he's poised to be the next champion of that division. I really believe so. I think he is the guy that potentially will stop Kamara Usman. Not Colby Covington. I think it's Chemaev, and I think Chemaev now should focus on the welterweight division. I'm not sure if this Damian Meyer fight will be at middleweight or welterweight. 
Um, I think it will be at welterweight because his last fight against Gilbert Burns was at welterweight, Damian Myers. So it should be at welterweight. And I would like to see him continue at welterweight as opposed to fighting at middleweight. So, yeah. I mean, what can you say about Shemaev? I mean, this guy is a monster. He is a bloody monster. So, yeah. 66 days, I believe yeah. it is. The guy's special. He's, I've been in this game my whole life. I've never seen anything like him. He's special. He's different. He wants to fight again. So, you know, I, I've never been in a position where I'm like, who's next? How do we how do we get him a fight? How, how do we get him over here? How do we do this? How do we do that? It's fun, and I like it. And uh, I, I think when you're a fight fan, a guy like this is the type of guy that you love to watch and follow and hate you know, and, and, and whatever it might be, this is, this guy is one of the most special fighters I've ever seen, if not the most special guy that I've ever come across. And he kept telling me leading up to this fight, you think I'm a wrestler. You think I'm a wrestler. Wait till you see my hands. Holy shit. He wasn't lying. Also on the card today, we saw Johnny Walker, the return of the clown. The clowns are back. We had Michelle Pereira, the other clown, and now we have his countryman, his compatriot, Johnny Walker back. Another clown. And this guy, yes, he's a clown, but he can fight again like his compatriot, Michelle Pereira. However, this fight was not spectacular like the Michelle Pereira fight. That fight was a gorgeous fight to watch. This fight, on the other hand, was an incredibly messy fight to watch. Johnny Walker looked like he was out at the start. He, he you know, and John Havana, his head coach now said, yeah, he needs to clean things up. And my word does he need to clean things up because he was nearly finished, he was rocked, he was hurt, he was mounted by Ryan Spann. And in the end, Ryan Spann went for a takedown against the fence and Johnny Walker just started laying these elbows in. It was a crazy fight. This happened in one round, guys. And yeah, Johnny Walker, again, is kind of must-see TV. He is, you know, whether he loses or he wins. He's just a weird, bizarre crazy guy to watch and yeah he lived up to those three adjectives just then because he is just crazy ryan span came in really hot and heavy and he could not got get the job done johnny walker capitalized on that got the job done so bravo to johnny walker let's see where he goes next do i think that johnny walker will ever threaten at the top of the UFC lightweight, uh, light heavyweight uh, picture, rather. I'm not sure. I'm not sure at all because, you know, like John Kavanaugh said, he needs to fix and clean a lot of things up because he was nearly done in that fight. And Ryan Spann is in the upper echelon of the light heavyweight picture. That is for sure. So, yeah, Johnny Walker gets the victory. Do I think he'll ever be a title holder at the UFC light heavyweight picture? Probably not. Do I think he'll get a title shot? Probably. I mean, that's a division that's kind of depleted for stars. And Johnny Walker, with these victories, is making himself a name. And he has been giving himself a name for quite a few uh, months, a uh, year or two now. Because he f his fights are really interesting. His fights are kind of must-see television. So, yes, Johnny, Johnny Walker gets the knockout win. He continues his rise up the rankings <laughs> whatever i mean it's not really a fucking crazy not the, it's not the lightweight division it's the light heavyweight division i mean it's not stacked like the lightweight division so it doesn't really matter too much to me i mean i was not impressed as mr george saint pierre would say i was not impressed at all but he got the win must see tv though Shots. Oh, that's looking like he's almost out right now. I mean, he's just stopped eating him. He's still fighting. Yeah, wow. Wow. I thought so too, though, Dom. I mean, he's in. He might, have, he might have woke back up there. <laughs> oh, it's only Johnny Walker rallies for a sensational finish. Whoa! And no celebration tonight. A moment of zen for Johnny Walker.
And let's give a bit of love to Mackenzie Dern. She picked up a first round submission victory against Randa Marcos. Randa Marcos is a very tough fighter. So really good to get a submission victory over Randa Marcos in the first round. And she did it spectacularly. Absolutely spectacularly. This was some of the best jiu-jitsu I've really watched in a long time. This was beautiful jiu-jitsu, like stunning jiu-jitsu. And I really think that Mackenzie Dern should be in the conversation of best jiu-jitsu practitioners in the UFC, male or female, because what she was doing on the ground, that wizardry, going from the arm triangle, then going to the arm bar, then going to the omoplata. I mean, she's doing everything. And my God, that arm bar at the end was fucking nasty. Nasty. Absolutely nasty. It was horrible. It was horrible to watch. And Randa Marcos is an extremely tough person to stay in that arm bar position for so long. It felt like an eternity. And I was cringing looking at her arm being bend in a way it's not really meant to be bent and her just kind of chilling out until she was forced to tap because I mean it was just wonderful jiu-jitsu I mean I'm not a jiu-jitsu black belt I'm not even a jiu-jitsu white belt so I can't even you know I'm not gonna break it down and do that you know she did this she did that she did blah, blah, blah. but from what I could see it was some of the best jiu-jitsu I've seen in a long time absolutely gorgeous jiu-jitsu so yeah big thumbs up to Mackenzie Dern, and she is a strawweight fighter as well, and it's going to be really interesting to see how she fits into the picture at strawweight, because she is such an interesting fighter to watch. I would really love to see her fight Tatiana Suarez. I think that's a great fight to put, a wrestler versus a jiu-jitsu practitioner, and two very high-level fighters. I think she should really get that fight next. I think that would be a great fight for her. Stylistically, I think it matches up well. And yeah. But yes, let's give it up for Mackenzie Dern. Hugely impressive victory. And yeah, strawweights do it again. Last week I was telling you how good the strawweights were. And hey, this week they continue to be the best female division in the UFC. But I don't know. I don't know why the girls want to stay on the ground with me. You know, she she came on top onto my ground, onto my guard. You know, I didn't take her down. So I was trying to get like Doma Plata with the crucifix. I know it's never happened in the women's UFC before. So in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, some submissions that never been been done from before. I'm trying to break the record. Then. All right, let's talk about the Kevin Holland versus Darren Stewart fight. Kevin Holland is. I don't, I don't want to say he's a name. He's definitely not a name, but he is a very interesting fighter that people really like to watch because he's a guy that likes to, as John Anik says, flap those gums. He likes to speak a lot when he fights. He likes to make funny comments. He likes to really try to get inside the mind of his opponent. And, you know, I, I personally think uh, the same as Dominic Cruz. I think it might have been Cruz or Felder. One of them said it. Um, that he does this to kind of relax himself and to put himself in the moment by talking and try to get himself as comfortable as possible. And I think that's true, but, you know, it's just awesome, isn't it? It's just awesome that uh, he fights like this. I mean, people really love to watch him just because of this. And again, this was another good fight for Kevin Holland. I mean, Kevin Holland, again, proved that he is kind of must-see television. I mean, he really is. I mean, you know, I don't see him on any pay-per-view cards, but hey, I think he should be a fixture on the fight night cards. I really do. And he had a very hard-fought win against Darren Stewart. Darren, This was a, a split decision. One judge had it 29-28 for Darren Stewart. The other two judges had it 29-28 for Kevin Holland. I personally scored it 29-28 for Holland. I think... Um, I think in the first two rounds, he had it in the bag. I thought um, he was doing more work. He was landing more punches. I mean, I mean, yeah, that's how, you win a, that's how you win a round, guys. And I think he did win the round. But that's not to say that Darren Stewart was not in this fight. He was absolutely in this fight until the very end. And he won the third round. There was a little debate about whether this should be a 
10-8 round at the end. I don't think so. I don't think he. I don't think Kevin Holland sustained enough damage from Darren Stewart's ground and pound to really make it a 10-8 round. But it was a very good end of the fight for Darren Stewart. And Darren Stewart is a tough, tough guy. He's never been finished in the UFC. And Kevin Holland thought he was going to finish him. He said that before the fight. He said, I'm surprised this guy hasn't been finished. Now he's not surprised. And now he's not surprised at all. Because this guy is so good. I mean, I really love Darren Stewart. And another reason why I love Darren Stewart is because he came to the ring with D-double-E playing. The grime artist. What a legend. I love D-double-E. So it was awesome to hear D-double-E. Uh, the octagon, octagon side, whatever you want to call it. little entrance music. That was awesome. That got me on Darren Stewart's side totally. I was really gunning for him to win that fight after that. But no, I mean, Kevin Holland's a great guy too. Because after the fight, he thought, I want to give Darren Stewart a rematch. Because after that third round, I'm, I wasn't very happy. And yeah, only great guys do that. So <laughs> yeah, this guy is a great guy. What can I say? And another thing that was really funny about this fight was when Darren Stewart, at the end of the third round, when he was piling on the damage to Kevin Holland, was telling Kevin Holland, let's talk now. Let's talk now. Come on, Kev. All this stuff. You know, awesome. And he was screaming at the guy. So, yeah, very fun fight. Awesome fight. Kevin Holland gets the win. He maintains his winning momentum. He continues to be must-watch television. Great win for Kevin Holland. A great, great fighter. Well, Kim, congratulations. I mean, I know that you were clearly a little bit frustrated with your performance, especially, I'm sure, the way the fight ended. But, I mean, a win is a win, right? So how are you feeling right now? Oh, a win is not a win. You know what I mean? Uh, most guys would be super happy about that. But to me, you're not uh, truly winning a fight until the ref's pulling you off. If you ain't catching a dead body, you ain't get the dub. You know what I mean? Uh, that was a five-round fight. My cardio was starting to fail. My body was starting to fail. He would have been the winner of the fight. So uh, you got to treat every fight like it's a main event. You got to treat every fight like it's a title fight. You got to treat every fight like uh, there's no ref in there. So uh, just got to do better. You know what I mean? I told Dana if they want to run it back, we can run it back. I ain't scared of no man. And another thing I want to make note of about this card, just really quickly, is the controversy I saw on Twitter surrounding referee Dan Mergliotta. A lot of people thought he was wearing a Blue Lives Matter emblem on his shirt, a little patch at the side of his shirt, on the sleeve of his shirt. And this annoyed a lot of people, and it actually turned out that he was just wearing a Nevada State flag. How crazy is that? A lot of people were freaking out, and... A lot of re reputable people were talking about this as well. Kevin Ioli was talking about it. Um, and that's what's made this fight card really interesting, is that it's really made people incredibly hypervigilant about their politics. This fight brings out the kind of the worst in people because there's so much politics involved in this fight. It really makes, yeah, people hypervigilant about really interesting things like like a blue lives matter emblem being on a referee if if a, if a referee was wearing a blue lives matter emblem i doubt the athletic commission would let them uh referee i doubt that very much i think that's just a bit too you're inciting a response out of people that's kind of different than wearing a poppy or wearing or supporting the army you know yeah, that's not to say I support those things, but it's a little different, right? Because it, it has a, such a vitriolic uh, connotations towards it. A Blue Lives Matter emblem, or even a Black Lives Matter emblem, for that matter. And that's not to say that Black Lives Matter is a bad thing. It's definitely not a bad thing. It's a good thing, but people associate bad things with it. So it's just better to not involve those patches those emblems those symbols on a referee's shirt and yeah it was proven that the referee dan mergliotta didn't have uh, a blue lives matter emblem it was the nevada state flag and yeah a lot of people again were hyper vigilant and 
it's the political nature of this fight card, guys. It's the political nature. It's what Colby Covington does to these guys. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. But I just wanted to mention that just really quickly. It's just an interesting thing I saw. Poor Dan Mergliotta. They even got me. I said before, I tweeted, if that's true, I hope they don't let him, you know, go out for the main event. I hope they don't let him officiate the main event if this is the case. And he did officiate the main event and he didn't have the emblem on his shirt. Very, very interesting from people. Hypervigilance, people. That's what it is. All right, let's talk about the Jesse Rose Clark versus Sarah Alper fight. This was a fight on the prelim card. Um, The most interesting story coming out of the prelim card. And it's another Chris Tognoni mistake. And last week, I um, supported Chris Tognoni uh, for a lot of the episode, for about 10 or 15 minutes. I called it an honest mistake, what he did. But this week, he is totally wrong. Totally wrong. How you keep a fight like that still going boggles my mind. And I said last week, in my defense of Chris Tognoni, I said the only time you should ever disparage a referee is when they are not fulfilling their first line of duty, which is protecting the fighters. Sarah Alper took a legal knee. He deemed it an illegal knee. This, you know, basically the same thing happened again. He deemed it an illegal knee. It was legal. She was leaking blood. Leaking it all over the fucking canvas. All over the canvas. Leaking it. She was bleeding so horribly. And Kriston Yoni rectifies his mistake unlike he did last time but I'm sure you know as I said in the previous week that mistake will make him a better referee however maybe I was wrong maybe I was wrong but at least he rectified the mistake but after you rectify the mistake you call it a TKO victory the Nevada State Athletic Commission states that a fight can continue if a fighter is okay with it continuing. But that is a horrible rule. Horrible rule. These are fighters. These are warriors. They're not going to fucking quit. Sarah Alper was never going to quit in that fight. She's She has worked for like 10 weeks. I don't know her training camp, but you know, regular training camp is 10 to 12 weeks. She's worked for that long to get to this moment and you think she's going to quit during a fight? This is the fun part. This is the fun part. The shit part's over. Training camp's over. For Chris Tognoni to keep that fight going, and by the way, he kept it going, and Jesse Rose Clark, who is from Innisfail, Queensland, another Australian, hey, what about that? And she looks quite good. But saying about Jesse Rose Clark, unfortunately. So when this fight was restarted, Jesse Rose Clark was dominating Sarah Alper again. Sarah Alper took damage she did not need to take because she was in a submissive situation. She was in a situation where she was not intelligently defending herself. She was waiting for the fight to be stopped. Do your fucking job. Do your fucking job. John Morgan, after this fight, had a tweet that said... um, Chris Tognoni is not um, going to be on any UFC assignments uh, in the future. And yes, I did say it would be wrong in that context, in that situation, the Ed Herman situation, that he would be uh, banned from officiating. But after this situation, the Jesse Rose Clark versus Sarah Alper situation, 100% correct. 100% correct. This guy does not deserve to be a referee. Because this happens too many times. This has happened too many times already. Kriston Yoni is my speak spoken about referee, and I've only heard about him, you know, for the last in the last two months or so. But he's been making so many high-profile mistakes that listen, he, he can't be a referee anymore. He needs to fix it up. He needs to get training done again. Listen, that's the only time you ever disparage a referee. It's if he is not fulfilling, or she is not fulfilling, their line of duty. 
And their first line of duty is not to officiate a fight, it's to protect the fighters, and especially to protect the fighters from themselves. Because these guys will not go, oh, oh, quit, yeah. I mean, look, Tyron Woodley <laughs> really did. But not a lot of these people, especially Sarah Alper, was not going to quit. So that Nevada State Athletic Commission rule is a load of shit. It's a load of shit. More accountability needs to be held on referees like this in this situation. Well, I'm hearing other people say, well, the corner should have stopped the fight. Listen, in this situation, the buck stops with the referee. Yes, the corner should have stopped the fight, but they're emotionally invested in their fighter, in the success of their fighter. They worked for so long to get to where they are now. And look, it's honestly a conversation for another day. Should the corner stop the fight? Ugh, maybe, yes, probably. Are they emotionally invested in their fighter? Yes. Is there a referee emotionally invested in the fighter? No. Do your fucking job. Do your fucking job. I'm, I'm sick of this. This is the only time you should ever fucking talk to a referee like this is to tell them to do their fucking job so people don't get, you know, so people don't take the damage that Sarah Alper took. She took disgusting damage. I hate it. I hate it. It boils my blood. Anyway, that's enough about fucking Chris Tognoni. That's the episode ender. We're going to go to the outro right now. Oh. Congrats on the win. Uh, first off, you know, I, of course, everybody's talking about kind of what happened at the end of the fight. Can you run back through it uh, just from your perspective? What, what, what happened there? Well, when I threw the knee, I thought she was standing back up as I threw it, which I'm very grateful that that is what was happening. Um, but when Chris stopped it I thought I'd won I thought he stopped the fight like I could see that there was blood everywhere and I was like hell yeah I won and then he's like don't go near your corner um and made me go to neutral and I was like oh shit I might be in trouble right now <laughs> and then I saw the replay kept playing and oh uh, and I was like oh that was legal right that was legal her butt's not on the ground and then when he started it again I also thought that was very strange um but I'm not upset at having an extra 30 40 seconds to work because that was however long it might have been two minutes I don't know my view my viewpoint is so skewed right now but um I mean I that was pretty unfair for her but it was fun for me so all right that's it for episode nine of I know nothing about MMA how good was that wasn't that a good fight night card guys wasn't that a good episode yeah, I feel that's a pretty good episode but anyway thank you so much for listening if you have any inquiries, any questions, email me at I know nothing about MMA at gmail.com. I'll leave my Twitter as well in there. But yeah, guys, have a beautiful day. Bye bye.